Well, blessings to every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here tonight. I also appreciate the fact that Pastor Jeff asked me to teach tonight. He and Lisa are on a well-earned week's vacation. I really hope that they have a great time, don't you? Now, we're going to study God's Word here. I'll share with you what I felt the Lord leading me to teach on tonight. It's from Ephesians 1. It wasn't my original choice, but how many of you know that we can have our own choices, but when we pray about things, God reveals His choice to us. And I'd rather go along with God's choice than my choice, wouldn't you? So we're going to look at Ephesians 1. I was blessed. Thank you, Nicole, for the worship time. I was blessed by the choice of songs, even though we didn't collaborate. I didn't tell her what I was teaching on, because I didn't know till a few days ago. But talking about how awesome is our God, how blessed we are. And I look around at us at times, and we don't look like we're very blessed. We don't look like we're very happy. We don't look like we know what God has done for us. We don't know what the fu- we don't act like we know the great hope we have, the future that we have before us. He's just more awesome than I know. How many agree with me? God is much more awesome than I could ever know or even imagine. And so I believe that God chose this scripture tonight because He wants you to know what He's done for you. Want you to know how much he loves you. I have a sense there's probably people here who are a little discouraged. Anyone know they're discouraged? People discouraged, perhaps people a little bit down. People struggling with problems or difficulties. But let me tell you, the good news is that God is in control. And God's going to work this all out. Did God work it out for you before? God's going to work it out for you again. He's a great God. He loves you. He hates to see when you go through the trials and difficulties that we go through. Sometimes I feel pretty beat up, do you? And there's other days I feel great. It's kind of like, well, thank you, Lord. Your word says consider a pure joy when you experience trials of all kinds. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I'm really working on it. So God is with us through every difficulty, every trial, every heartache. And I just really pray that the words that I share tonight wouldn't just be words. I would like them to be like Paul said. He came to the people just not in words or intellect or wisdom. He came with the power of the Spirit. And so I want to pray, again, I thank Nicole for her prayer, but I want to pray for myself that I'm really open to him. I don't want to share my opinion. You don't want to hear my opinion. You came here to hear God's word, right? And I want to pray that not only I am as open as he would like me to be, I want to pray that you're as open as he would like you to be. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel we get a little sloppy. Coming into the presence of God, we just kind of hang out, you know, I munch on a few snacks, drink my water, and, oh, we're in the presence of Almighty God. 
in the Old Testament, in the outer court, they had to wash off and get ready to go into the holy place. And so often we're so sloppy, we're so casual. We know that God loves us most times, but I believe we don't concentrate on the fact of how majestic He is. You know? Our God is majestic. He created everything that we see. And Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings. He's the mighty God. And so, I think at times we have to make sure that we prepare our hearts to get all of what God wants to give us, right? And sometimes we dally with sin or we hang on to sin. And the best thing when you sin, and we all do, how many agree with me? We all sin, right? The best thing to do is get rid of it completely because in some way it diminishes your fellowship with God, right? And so tonight I want to pray again for me that I can be who he wants me to be and I can be his mouthpiece. That's all I want to be. I want to be his mouthpiece. I want to disappear and let him speak through me. But I want to ask, too, that all of your hearts will be ready and that there's not diminished fellowship with God in your life through unconfessed sin or also because you're holding unforgiveness towards someone. Remember, God won't forgive you if you don't forgive others. And so let's take a moment now We're going to go into the Holy of Holies, right? To hear God's Word. But we want to wash off first. And this is between you and God. If you're carrying around some sin, you know that you've done something wrong, that you haven't talked to God about it yet. I want you to take a moment and talk to Him about it. And tell Him you have sinned, you recognize your sin, you agree with Him, it is sin. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to cleanse you. And if you're carrying around unforgiveness towards anyone, you may have rationalized it and think it's fine. You don't know what this person did to me. You don't know what a hassle it's been. You're only hurting yourself. You're hurting your fellowship with God. And you're causing yourself physical and psychological problems. And so what we need to do is get rid of any unforgiveness. Let the Lord reveal to you if there's anyone that you're holding unforgiveness against. And let's pray, okay? Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, you are such an awesome God. I can't even fathom how great you are. But I see glimpses of it in my life as you forgive so much sin in my life. You've just taken so much weakness in my life and turned it into strength. And I thank you that I can stand here right now preaching your word. I don't deserve to preach your word, but you called me and you've anointed me to be your messenger, to be your mouthpiece. And I thank you so much for that. And I thank you, Jesus, that because of your horrible death, In your obedience to the Father, I thank you that the Father looks at me like I never sinned. Like I never committed a sin. All he sees in me is Jesus. I thank you so much for how 
That's just so great. I can't even fathom it. I thank you, Jesus, for your obedience even unto death. And I thank you, Lord, for the people that have hurt me in my life. I thank you that you've taught me how to forgive. I thank you for what I've learned from those situations, even though they were painful. And I make a choice right now to forgive anyone that comes to my mind that I have not forgiven. I'm not saying I necessarily want to be in a great relationship with them again, but I do want to say I forgive because you've forgiven me. And Lord, show them your love and let me have a loving heart towards them. And Father, I thank you. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that we can be empowered by you. I thank you that we can be made holy by you. I thank you that Christianity isn't a religion of self-effort, but it's a religion or a relationship with you where you change us little by little, day by day. I thank you that my effort is not sufficient. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for living inside of me. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for using me. I thank you for your gifts, your ministries. I thank you so much, and I praise you. And Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I just command all oppression to leave here. Anything that would interfere with the hearing of your word or the preaching of your word, I command all oppression to leave in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray, Lord, that we just might have a visitation of your presence and your power and your glory. Father, you are a great God. We praise you and bless you. Amen. He's more awesome than we know, right? I'm going to speak tonight from Ephesians 1, verses 1 to 14. I'd like you to open up your Bible if you haven't opened to that portion before. And depending on the time that we have, we may just quickly read through part of Ephesians 2. But this is what the Lord wants me to concentrate on right now. When we look at the book of Ephesians, Ephesians is the summation of all Paul's theology, what he's learned about God, what he's experienced. And though this says the letter is to the Ephesian church, it was probably more of a general epistle. That means it was circulated through all the churches at that time. And so it's the summation of Pauline theology regarding God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul probably knew the Lord for 30 years when he wrote this book. And he wrote it also in Roman imprisonment. It wasn't the last one. It was the next-to-last imprisonment when he was under more of a house arrest where he was able to write, able to receive visitors. So he wrote this from Roman prison. It was probably a circular letter that was sent to all the churches. That's how important it is. And Paul wrote this when he probably knew the Lord for about 30 years. I don't know how many years you've known the Lord. I was just thinking today, I've known the Lord Jesus for 43 years. And it's like, wow, I still feel like I have a long way to go. (laughs) But he's been faithful to uphold me and allow me to continue on with him 
I'm just so blessed that his word is true, that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion. Have there ever been times you felt like giving up? God's going to carry you. God's going to bring you through. God's going to bring you right before his throne. He started the work, and he's going to finish it. Let's read here. I'm going to read these verses, then I'm going to pick them out individually. I'm not holding my Bible because it's kind of heavy and it's so marked up. I am kind of a highlighter, a maniac. And so to try to stand up here, read through the highlighting would be a little bit difficult. And hate to get a different Bible because a lot of notes are in there. So actually, I've just typed out and copied the verses here so we can look at them. Let me read from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillments, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, it's quite a mouthful, isn't it? But I think, I'm sure you've read this maybe many times before, but for some reason, God wants us to read that here tonight and to concentrate on that. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what message he gives to each person here about what's being shared here. Now, Ephesians 1, 1 through 14 It basically talks about the eternal purpose of the church. And hopefully, as a result of knowing how awesome God is and knowing what he has done for us, we will have a greater desire to live closer and closer to him 
to serve him and to do the works that he's called us to do. Now, it's kind of interesting, as probably many of you know, I teach online for a couple of Christian universities, and it's kind of interesting, one of the questions we were dealing with this past week was regarding whether Christians should go to church. And it's amazing, probably like statistics and general population, I would say the majority of students felt that it really wasn't necessary to go to church. It's all about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, you can't be part of the church unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but we need to grow up. This isn't all about me. This isn't all about you. This is all about God's plan and God's purpose. Is Jesus just coming back for me individually? Who's he coming back for? His bride, the body of Christ. He's working in the body of Christ. There are things that you will get from fellowshipping with other, other Christians that you won't get individually in your relationship with the Lord. But anyway, surprisingly, a lot of people feel it's really not that necessary to go to church or to be a member of a church. Let me say it is. You know why? Because God said it is. And he's building a church. And he wants everyone who's able... There are some people who are disabled or can't get out. But there's always a way. They can still experience the church in fellowshipping with other people. But anyway, the eternal purpose of God is his church. And as each one of us is saved, as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are each put into the body of Christ. And God has a plan and a purpose. You know, it's important to pray about what fellowship you should be in? Because God has a plan, and God has a purpose, and God fits us into his body just the way he wants. So again, I said, I hope that by going through these things, we will have more of an aim to love God more dearly, and to live closer to him, and to do the works that he's called us to do. Let's look at verse 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, this is kind of interesting. Paul, an apostle. What's an apostle? Well, there are the 12 that Jesus picked who were with him, walked with him, ministered with him. They are the 12. But in the broader definition of apostle, apostle is one who is sent an ambassador. So in a way, we're all kind of apostles. We're all ambassadors. We're all messengers. But specifically, those who have been commissioned by God for a particular mission, particularly to maybe build a church, build a missionary outreach. So we have even modern day apostles. They are not the 12. And I'm not giving credit to those who call themselves apostles and bishops and prophets and whatever. You notice Paul isn't all about titles. He says his name. He doesn't say, this is Apostle Paul. He just says Paul, an apostle. He talks about his function. He's one who's been sent. If you really need to remind yourself where he was commissioned, you can look. I don't think we'll probably have time right now. 
But in Acts 22, verses 6 to 16, if you remember, Paul was on the road to Damascus. And he was knocked off his horse, right? And then he had a voice, heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so then anyway, anyway, the others were instructed to take Paul to Damascus. Ananias the prophet came, ministered to him, told him what his mission was going to be. He was being sent to the Gentiles. So Paul heard God's voice. He also saw the Lord. It's mentioned a few other places in Scripture. So he is definitely an apostle. He was appointed by God for a special mission. He could see God at times, and he heard his voice. His teaching was authoritative. And so we're reading what God wants us to know because God told Paul to write this down. How many of you agree with me that we can trust what's in the Bible? Because it's all God-breathed, which means God inspired men to write down what he wanted written down in the way he wanted it written down. And so, this is a word even to us. God wants us to know this. And it's kind of interesting that it says that Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. There are a lot of people who are doing things on their own will, or people picking their own ministries, or deciding what they're going to do. What this says to me, it's very important for each one of us to make sure what we're doing is the will of God. And God will make it clear. God will either speak to our hearts. Others will say to us, you have this particular ministry, this gift. We're really blessed by that. God will make it clear, but it's important that our ministry and our service be by the will of God. Now, this is written to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, some churches have their statues of saints and different things. And so we kind of think these are really wonderful or strange people, whatever, whatever your perspective is. But we're all saints. If you've been saved, if you know the Lord Jesus, you are called a saint. And so Paul is talking to God's holy people. Now, lots of times I don't sense that I'm that holy, but in God's eyes, I'm holy. And so he's talking about us. And the faithful in Christ Jesus, we're faithful because we are cleansed by the blood, we are dedicated by, to God, and we are set apart for divine service. And so the faithful are those who have been saved, who are dedicated to God, who recognize that they are God's holy people. Amen? And so, again, it mentions the faithful in Christ Jesus. It's all about Jesus Christ. Do you get that? That's what Paul's making it very clear. And so in Christ, we're united in Him. We live in Him. We live for Him. Together, the saints are the body of Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Now, it says in verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, grace and peace was a very common greeting in Greek and Hebrew circles. But there's a much fuller meaning here. Grace means favor. 
It's totally undeserved. Let me see through a show of hands how many of you felt you deserved to be saved and that you're actually doing God a favor. Well, no one of us do. We know who we are, right? And so grace is undeserved favor. Um, If God wasn't gracious, we would have no hope. If God wasn't gracious, I would probably be in hell right now. Have any of you ever had a sense you might be in hell right now if God hadn't saved you? Amen? And so, grace and peace, not just the normal grace and peace that we might say, you know, around our neighborhoods or something, you know, our nice greetings to people. The fuller meaning is undeserved favor, tremendous love from our gracious God. It's coupled with peace. It's coupled with peace because we cannot have peace unless we have experienced God's grace. Amen? And Jesus gives us peace like the world can't give us peace. Have you experienced that? Yes, we have. So grace and peace go together. And the grace and peace come from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know what? You have it all. You've been blessed. It's probably a matter of letting that blessing be released in your life and be released from your life and your ministry to other people. And so, verse 3 very often talks about praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad the Father sent Jesus? Aren't you glad that Jesus said, I'll go? And so, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's kind of interesting. He doesn't just say here, Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. He says, Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the attitude each one of us should have. Jesus is not only Savior, but Jesus is Lord. When we call him Lord, we recognize my life does not belong to me. He's my Lord. He's my owner. I'm accountable to him for everything. I need to pray about everything. I have to ask his guidance in everything. And so it says... He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, God the Father is creator. But you know what's interesting? I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, we're all God's children, everybody in the world. You know that's not true. We all look to God the Father as creator. But John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So John 1.12 makes it very clear, although every human being has the same creator, God, we're not all children of God. It's only the redeemed who have received the right to be called 
children of God. Have you heard a lot of people talking on TV or, oh, we're all God's children. We need to love and love and love. Well, that's all great, but we're not all God's children. The redeemed are. We are all children of God. We have Jesus brought us to the Father, didn't he? But God, the Father, isn't Father to everyone in the world. He's Creator, but He's not Father. And so, we're born again by the will of the Father. Jesus is identified as Lord, showing He has full deity. And in Christ here, every spiritual blessing in Christ, God is the source of grace, and Jesus is the only way to access that grace. There's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to access God's grace. There's no other way to become a child of God except through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's John 14, 6. Jesus says, No one comes to the Father except by me or through me. And so we see there's a lot of fallacies, there's a lot of false teachings in the world. But... In Christ, the spiritual blessings we have are in Christ because of Christ because Jesus is the only way to access and to receive the blessings of God. And it talks about we're blessed in the heavenly realm. That means basically they are eternal blessings. They are not temporary. They don't pass away. They're not necessarily just of this earth. They are eternal. They are forever. Isn't it good to know that you're forever blessed? I don't know how good each one of you may be following the Lord, but you know what? You're going to go to heaven whether you like it or not. Now, whether you get much at the awards dinner, that depends on you. I always imagine this big awards dinner in heaven. And the names are announced, and they get their trophies, and they get their crowns and all that. You may be the one serving beverages, I don't know. (laughs) But whether you like it or not, you are going to heaven. Amen? But if you really know the love of God, doesn't the love of God compel you to serve Him? To fulfill His purpose? Aren't you so blessed you want to say, God, I can't believe how awesome your love is. I mean, you look at me, it's like I never sinned. I'm glad about that, are you? You've never sinned. He will never see or remember any sin we ever committed. That is great news. That's how much Jesus did for us. And so I speak that again for anyone here who's struggling with past sin I just say to you, get over it. If God doesn't see it, let it go from your mind and thank Him that it's gone. It's dismissed. It's over. You made a mistake. You turn to God, it's covered with the blood of Jesus. Amen? And so eternal blessings. But also, it says, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing... We really need to seek out more what God would have us do with our lives. Serving the Lord isn't just an add-on. 
if we truly appreciated what God has given us, what He has done for us, we would seek out ways to serve. To serve Him. You know, it doesn't mean that the only avenues of service are in the local church. There's ways to serve out there, to spread the love of God. I think sometimes perhaps we need a little wake-up call that God's saying, well, how grateful are you? You don't seem very grateful. How are you serving me? What are you doing? Are you telling other people? Are you showing them how blessed you are? Are you really concerned about people going to hell? Because hell is a terrible place. We can dispute the fact whether there's a hell or not, but Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. So I believe it's a real place. And I believe the majority of people are going there because the, the road is narrow, right? And so we've been blessed, blessed in the heavenly realms, um, which means basically we have eternal blessings in Jesus Christ. Now, this is an important point now in 4. I better speed up here. In 4, huh? <laughs> verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. This is the Father. The Father had a plan from the beginning of time. We're not asking God to bless my plan, your plan. We're asking more like, I've been saved. I've become part of the family of God. I'm a child of God now. Father, reveal to me more what your plan is so I can be part of it. It's his plan. He had to be a plan before the beginning of the world, before it was even created. Isn't that neat? that he was going to have a people who were holy and blameless. I know a couple of weeks ago, I was really praying, saying, Lord, when I appear before you, I want to be blameless. So I was thinking maybe there's more ways I could clean up my act or something. And through reading the scriptures, it made it very clear that the only way we can be pure and blameless in his sight is through Jesus Christ. Not that we don't try to cooperate with His grace and serve Him and fight the flesh or whatever, but the only way we can be holy and blameless in His sight is through Jesus Christ. It says, in love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And this was in accordance with His pleasure and His will. And so sonship, do you remember reading in the Bible that it says that Jesus is the first of many brothers. And, of course, brothers were talking also about men and women, not just men. But Jesus set the example. We will never be God. We will never be the unique son. But we will be sons and daughters to our Father God. Because of Jesus, he was building a family. And so we are were predestined for adoption to sonship. You know, when someone's adopted, the person that adopts them wasn't their natural parent.
but they become part of the family. Right? And so the same thing with us. With God, we weren't part of His family. We were actually enemies of God. Our father was the devil. The spirit of the air, the one working in those who who are unbelievers. That's where we were. But God the Father adopted us to sonship because of Jesus, because of his blood, because of what he did. Now, I want to share a little word here, predestined or foreordained. A lot of people have a problem with. I want to ask you, did God determine who would be believers and who would not be believers? You probably had people talk about that. Predestination, does it mean God created some people to go to hell, other people to go to heaven? Well, I'll tell you what I get out of the scriptures here. We see in the Bible God's continual pleading for men to believe and obey him. Why would God plead with people to believe him, obey him, accept Jesus Christ if they couldn't? If there was no possibility for them to ever obey, to ever accept Jesus, why would the Father plead with them? Why would he tell us to go preach the gospel to all creation, all nations, if there was no opportunity of those people being saved? And so predestination is actually God set the borders or the parameters of how people could be saved. And he predestined that the plan would be if people put their faith in Jesus Christ, his son, and accepted the gifts of salvation, they would be saved. That's predestination. It's not that some, it was planned that they go to hell and other people go to heaven. Because I can't see that God would command us to preach the gospel if people wouldn't receive it. I can't believe that God would decide who would believe and who would disobey. And I can't believe that, you know, he would just create some people for hell. He certainly could do that because he's God. But he set the parameters of how people could be saved, and he pleads with people to be saved and accept Jesus. It's the Father's will that all men be saved, right? And so I bring up that point because sometimes people have theological discussions about predestination. If God determined who would be saved and who wouldn't, why would he plead with people to accept his son? Why would he tell us to go preach the gospel? And so in order to be saved, we have to submit to God's conditions for salvation. I can't believe the time is going so quickly I guess you can tell I was a preacher for many years because I have a lot to say. (laughs) And so the Lord's predestination or his plans doesn't negate someone's free will. And so we're predestined to sonship. I want you to know and God wants you to know that you have a great future ahead of you because of Jesus. It says here in 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption means deliverance or release. We have the forgiveness of sin in in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. I love that word lavished. Do you? 
That's an interesting word. Isn't that he just gave us this great grace? It says he lavished it on us. Can you think of Mary washing Jesus' feet with the perfume? You know, in preparation for his crucifixion, although people didn't understand. That's lavishing. Not caring about the cost, just pouring. Pouring it out. So God is lavishing his love on us. Can you think of a time that you lavished love on someone? Maybe not, because we're all pretty stingy at times with our love, right? And so we have redemption, we have forgiveness of sin in accordance with God's grace, his lavishing grace. He's forgiven every sin. If you find that you sin, you get caught in some transgression, confess it, it's covered by the blood of Jesus. He'll never see it again, right? And let me continue on. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Again, it's his plan, his purpose, what he wants, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's the Father's overall plan. And he made known to us that fact. Mystery is a spiritual truth that wasn't previously known. The people in the Old Testament didn't know that. We know it because of God's word, his revelation. We also have it written in our hearts. But people, other people, it was a mystery. So we're so blessed. Everything will be brought together under the headship of Jesus Christ. In him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Again, the Father's will, his plan. Twelve, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In olden times when they sealed documents to show people that it was authentic, people had a seal. they take this seal, put it in hot wax, close the document, seal it, and that seal showed who who that document belonged to. So each one of us is sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Now that last part might be translated, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? Perhaps that makes a little bit more sense. So basically, we have the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a seal, as a sign that we are saved. How many of you know the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? You belong to God. Your inheritance is sealed, and no one can take it away from you. In Christ, we have all the benefits of knowing God. We're chosen for salvation. We're adopted as His children. We're forgiven. We have wisdom, we have insight, we have the mind of Christ. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
We have power to do God's will and the hope of living forever with God. Now, I'm a little disappointed. Maybe I didn't work my time well. I did the best I could, but there was so much more I wanted to say. But Pastor Jeff has also asked me to teach on Sunday. And Sunday, I really want to do a teaching on the Holy Spirit. And so, if you can be there at all, please be there. Because the Holy Spirit is someone that a lot of people don't fully understand, and they're not fully yielded to, and they're not able to live the victorious life or to minister effectively because they haven't surrendered and depended on the Holy Spirit. So, bring some other people with you that really need to hear about the power available. God's given us everything we need to be changed and also to minister effectively. I don't have a chance to read Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. Um, Maybe you could read that during the week, a good follow-up of what that means for us. Okay, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. But I want to pray and I want to ask you in your own heart, do you know something that God spoke to you tonight? Don't lose track of it. Write it down. Repeat it. So whatever he wanted you to receive, don't forget it. Because again, this is the passage that he gave me to share with you, so I'm sure there's something for everyone. Let's just pray for a moment. I'd like to pray for all of you. <clears throat> want to pray that there's any particular need in your life right now. If you need healing, if you need deliverance, if you need provision, whatever it is, I want to pray that God would do that. Father, we come before you in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for this time we've had together. And Father, I'm sure there are needs here. We all have needs. Father, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, these needs would be met. Lord, we've spoken your word. Your word is powerful. We ask at the very beginning that the word wouldn't be spoken without a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. I pray, Father, that everything that, everything that people are praying for right now will be placed before your throne. I ask, Lord, there would be healing, there would be deliverance, there would be restoration, there would be a sense of forgiveness, a sense of purpose, and that people would know your will in service for their lives. Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for letting me share this time with you. It's been fun. I hope it was fun for you. (laughs)